Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, where we talk about everything embedded. And as I'm sure you know, that includes the automotive sector. And that's the topic of discussion this morning, uh, where my special guest is Patrick Wadden, who is with Vicor. He is the Global Vice President of Automotive Business Development. Good morning or afternoon. I'm not sure where you are, Patrick. How are you? Good morning, Rich. It's morning here, and uh, thank you for having me today on this call. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so I'm looking at your bio, and the area that I would like to discuss with you, because it appears that you are an expert, is this notion of decentralized power in, in automotive. Um, would you explain to me um, and for our audience, what does that mean exactly, decentralized power for automotive? Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, so, so we are working. Uh, we are working toward a, uh, a changing the automotive industry with the from a from a powertrain perspective with a whole different approach. Uh, we're called we're calling decentralized power because what we're doing, Rich, is we're taking the silver box, the big DC to DC converter, as the power level is going from hundreds of watts to thousands of watts to many many kilowatts, and what we're doing is we're working with OEMs to take that silver box as the power grows and spreading the power around the vehicle. So in other words, instead of having one big silver box or one power plant that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, we're taking that power delivery network and we're spreading it around the vehicle. We're actually putting some of these converters out around the vehicle in the glove box and the trunk and the door uh, where it's closer to the load. Okay, so how much power are you putting in these various places? Because with high power, you know, obviously there's heat, and I don't know if I, if I want a heater in my glove box. <clears throat> That's a very good question. Um, what we're able to do with uh, Vicor's very, very high-efficiency products is we're able to take a 3-kilowatt box or a 5-kilowatt box, and we're able to add additional power by spreading that around the car and putting them in very, very safe locations and in closed boxes where there's, where there's, no, where there's no danger and, and they're very, very, very safe. Um, everything there is, is isolated. It's all protected. But what we're able to do is instead of having one big box, we're able to take that and spread it around the vehicle. And the, and, and the reason that that's a better approach and, and the reason it can be a better approach is because you have much less temperaturized to deal with because instead of having one box that is kicking off uh, all this power loss you've got that spread around the vehicle uh, evenly where it's, a, where it's a lot more efficient okay I don't think we're gonna have time to get through my long list of questions that have just come up in my head but I'll, I'll get started how much power are we talking about in these various locations and does it vary by location or is it the same in each location well, decentralized power is, uh, is actually being looked at in a couple of different ways. Uh, it's being looked at from a functional perspective, where, where, where all of the power is in one location, but it's decentralized in terms of the way it's broken out, and it's also broken out decentralized power geographically. <clears throat> so, so the loads can physically be placed in, in four corners of the car, but, but with some, what some companies, companies are doing, and BMW talked a lot about this, at the Berlin conference is what the, what they're doing is they're doing decentralized power, but they're taking the they're taking these uh, the voltage supplies at 48 volts and routing 48 volts around the vehicle, 
which is much smaller, much lighter weight wiring, and then converting back to 12 volts at the point of load. Okay. Um, as you know, every time you introduce a different node, you're introducing another point of failure. So how do we deal with that? Because rather than having one point of failure, now you have many. That's a good point. One of the things that decentralized power does is, if, is, is it also allows you to build in <clears throat> redundant safety supplies. So, for example, if you have a single point of failure, if you have a single DC to DC, and that DC to DC goes down, you've got trouble. <clears throat> when you have a decentralized power system, and, and I'm using you know, one DC to DC in each corner of the car as an example, you can actually use one as a backup. So you can power that load that's in the right rear corner of the car, but you can also tie that DC to DC to another DC to DC that's nearby that's maybe running the lights or maybe running an actuator or maybe an electric heated seat. And, and, and what happens, Rich, is uh, uh, OEMs are looking at ways with this decentralized power to create an N plus one architecture, which actually gives them a redundant source of supply. Okay, um, so something that's a little less technical. Um, as we know in this industry, like many industries, um, the OEMs or the automakers in this place don't necessarily want to move forward with one supplier. So is this something that's being pushed through some sort of standards body or association or even an ad hoc committee of, of suppliers? Uh, so... so uh what we're doing um, is we're working directly with the OEMs. Uh, definitely agree with what you're saying about having multiple sources of supply, and we're constantly looking at, at licensing partners, and we're looking at, at different models for, for this, for this, for this high-volume ramp that's coming. Uh, what, uh, what we're doing and what our strategy is, is we're working directly with the OEMs. What we're constantly being told, Rich, the tier ones are constantly, uh, I mean, the OEMs are constantly telling us that the tier ones are just not giving them what they want. Uh, the, tier, the tier ones are building their, these power supplies and they're, and they're building these different uh, power delivery networks. But the, the real innovation here uh, uh, from a vehicle perspective is really coming from the OEMs. So we're working very, very closely with the OEMs, and the OEMs are, are, are redefining their, 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 their power delivery architectures for the vehicles, and then they're pretty much taking these build-to-print solutions down to the Tier 1s and saying, here's what we want. So in most, in most models, companies like us or, or, or our competitors, they work mostly with the Tier 1s. We happen to be working with both, but what we're finding is the real change at the vehicle level, at the architectural level, at the vehicle, is really happening with the OEMs. Is that typical, that, it, that the innovation starts with the OEMs themselves? I would think that it would be the other way, that they move slower than people like yourselves in the tier ones. You know, in the, the, in the past, uh, that, was, that was very atypical, right? In the past, uh, the tier ones did most of the innovation. They did most of the design optimization. They did the cost reductions. But with everything that's happening, <clears throat> what's happening out there uh, in powertrain and chassis systems, it, it's like the Wild West. I mean, it is just, it's unbelievable. Um, there are changes that are happening every day. Um, there's, uh, the power levels are sometimes going from, 
uh, three kilowatts to six kilowatts, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, you know, they, there's a there's a, a twenty kilowatt delivery system that's required, or a, or an OEM makes a decision that they're going to go, you know, from four hundred volts up to eight hundred volts in a battery. I mean, there's some really big architectural changes that are happening and uh, we're finding especially in Japan and in Europe we're finding that a lot of these OEMs are reaching out to the technology sector they're reaching out they've got special funds put aside they've got they've got ind- individual R&D money set aside and they're actually working with the companies out there that are innovative to help them get to the solutions that they need okay so pull out your crystal ball and give me some sort of timeline for all the stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah, so so my my crystal ball, and and uh, sometimes it's a little bit fuzzy, uh, like anybody else's. But but my crystal ball is that that by 2025, the hybrid electric vehicle, the plug-in vehicle, the mild hybrid. Uh, my guess, my my, my I, I'm not going to say my guess, but my uh, my estimation or my crystal ball is that by the by the 2025 time frame. You know, 35 or 45, 40, 35 to 40% of the vehicles that are out there, which is 35 or 40 million a year, um, will have a, 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 an advanced uh, electrification system requiring, requiring higher voltages and, and, and much more complex architectures. Well, I appreciate that. Most people just give me some marketing speak and don't ask questions. So that, I really appreciate that you actually answered that question. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm afraid that that's all we have time for, but this is a great start. Um, I would definitely like to continue this discussion as, as we get further. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Very good. That was Patrick Wadden. He is the Global Vice President of Automotive Business Development at Vicor, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. Thank you, Patrick, and have a great day. Thanks. Have a great day, Rich.